Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Judges on Fire podcast, which is now also a video cast um, for uh, the Tech Trailblazers. My name is Rose Ross, and I'm the Chief Trailblazer and the founder of the Tech Trailblazers. And I'm delighted to be joined here today, fresh from some time away, hopefully on his boat, Enrico Signoretti. Enrico is a consultant for Juco. And also with Pika Ohm. Good morning, Enrico. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, very well, actually, after my time off. And, uh, you know, I spent some time in Sicily. Mm. Uh, as soon as they opened the gates, I mean, uh, with all this COVID thing, and I decided to, you know, spend a few days off doing kite surfing and not thinking about. Uh, uh, you know, analyst stuff for for a few days. Well, actually, when I came back, so yesterday, uh, I, I had a flood of uh, of emails to to manage. But you know, it was worth it. Oh, wonderful! It's definitely so important to get a little bit of uh, you know sand under your feet, a bit of uh, sea spray in your in your hair, and yeah. Get away from it all. I think we're all looking forward to a bit more of that now. That things Yeah, are I think everybody's looking for it. Easing, easing up a little bit. Well, obviously, we've spoken before. You know, we've known each other for a long time. Um, so just in case people are not familiar with you, Enrico, could you give us just a, a brief history of yourself? You know, how you've come into technology, how you've come into the role that you, you, you know, you, you're doing now? Yeah, sure. I mean, I started uh, a long time ago, uh, just out of school, actually, even before, but, uh, you know, summer jobs, these kind of things, working in IT. And uh, as soon as I finished my, uh, my school, I started programming in assembly. That was like 30 years ago now, I mean, more or less. And, uh, and then from there, I covered many different roles in, uh, you know, in different types of IT organizations, uh, including uh, working for a startup, having my own uh, system integrator. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, uh, I mean, from technical roles as well as marketing, product management and things like that. So I, I think I developed uh, a knowledge of this market because all of this was about storage anyway. So from system administration uh, down to, you know, product development and other stuff. So I think, I think that uh, uh, that was, you know, the, the common trait of, uh, you know, all my career. And uh, a few years back, I think it was 2006, between 2006, 2008, I started a blog. And uh, it changed, uh, you know, my perspective on a, on a few things. And the beginning was just uh, uh, the newsroom for my small uh, system integrator. So we wanted to have something uh, to communicate to our, uh, you know, customers. And then, uh, then it became more independent, more, uh, you know, open to discuss uh, topics that were not uh, connected, directly connected to to the brands that we were um, proposing to our customers and things like that. And, uh, and it was a success. I mean, uh, maybe it was early, 
And so the, the idea that there were not so many bloggers around and uh, I got, you know, some followership and uh, um, more and more vendors and, and clients starting contacting me for consultancy and uh, writing papers and things like that. So at the time, I was already an analyst, but maybe it was not official uh, from, from, you know, um, more than once I defined me as a blogger list. I mean, uh, something between the, an analyst and the blogger because more informal than uh, than an analyst, but still, uh, you know, with uh, with uh, my toes in, uh, in the water, I mean, with, with real users and uh, dealing with uh, day-to-day problems. And uh, on the other hand, I had a lot of information from vendors and everything. So trying to connect the dots was... Uh, already in my, you know, uh, in my bag. And a couple of years ago, 2018, now three years, uh, um, I started working with uh, Gigion. And uh, it wasn't, you know, it has been an, an amazing journey. In, in general, we, we built new products. We are different from other analysts, from, um, well, from many perspectives. And the company is doing great. So, uh, I think I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm very happy to be part of this team of this story now. And, uh, and that's all of it. Fantastic. And what's one of your proudest moments in your career so far? So I, I think that, uh, you know, industry recognition is, uh, you know, that happened a few times. I, I think it's uh, one of the best things. I mean, um when people meet you and, and say, oh, I know you uh, because you write something that I read all the time. That, that's, that's something that, you know, always uh, make me happy. And, you know, uh, some, somehow, you know, uh, is, is a way to, you know, is rewarding. So that, that's, uh, that's really, you know, the proudest of the moments uh, all the time. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So you've touched upon it a little bit already, um, but what's your area of expertise? And, and, and in that area, what are you seeing as hot and innovative at the moment? So data storage is my primary uh, area of coverage. Of course, data storage is changing radically. So I do a lot of uh, around uh, uh, cloud. Uh, and it means that everything that is connected to storage and cloud uh, is now is now my focus uh, from uh, from this point of view of course we have uh, kubernetes this is really hot uh, all across the board i mean it, it's not about storage of course but it's about you know new ways to develop applications new organizational methods in uh, in large enterprises also in small enterprises and 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 this is this is really really interesting. Also, how you know the data storage is evolving to to meet these new kind of requirements, and uh, uh, so you see a lot of these traditional vendors uh, really changing the way they think about you know how to manage storage and uh, and data in general. And you know the other thing is. Uh, 
is probably, you know, uh, today we see a lot of attention on security, but I think that even more uh, is data management. I mean, um, it's not for everybody, but with because we are, you know, piling up a lot of data now and there is this need to make something out of it. I mean, it's not just storing because we need to store it and not delete it there for compliance or other reasons, but uh, people want to reuse the data. People want to understand what they have if they can delete something that is not uh, necessary or, you know, uh, understand security issues and everything. So everything started with security. So you start analyzing data to you know, to check on patterns for ransomware or things like that. But the same techniques can be used for a, you know, broader set of uh, functionalities around uh, data management. And I think that uh, there is more, much more attention than in the past. I mean, now we talk uh, uh, often about, you know, petabyte size uh, infrastructure, even in the smallest of the infrastructures. So that that's uh, that's that's something, and you want to know what you're storing, where, how, and with the multi-cloud is becoming even more critical. Mm. Yeah, I mean, data management's always been a particularly important part of any IT infrastructure, and yeah, it was challenging. I mean, I mean, in the past, was not as as important. I mean, it was always part of the conversation, but was very you know, uh, never a deep, uh, you know, uh, let's say we didn't get this uh, deep dive conversation kind of in the data management. And it was data management was very high level conversation. And then, you know, we, we always uh, stop it at some point because we didn't have the tools to do it properly. Now we have the tools, we have AI, we have uh, machine learning, so you, we can understand the content better. We, can, we have much more CPU power, GPUs and other accelerators that make it easier to you know, scan all the data and find the relevant information. So it's just easier than in the past, even if the numbers are crazy. Well, certainly there is always a lot of data and that's not, that's not reducing on any level, not, not on any level. So I, this is not a trick question because I actually know the answer to this one. Um, but how long have you been a judge for the Tech Trailblazers? Uh, a few years now. I think since the very beginning of the of the event. And uh, it was amazing. I mean, the, the, the event evolved a lot. Uh, at the very beginning, was almost like, uh, you know, a small group of friends and talking about uh, you know new technology, new new startups, and things like that. Now the, the event is much more structured. I mean, uh, a lot of names coming from different, uh, I mean, different areas. So it's way bigger than the beginning. So it's a success from this point of view. I mean, something different from uh, other awards that we we saw in the past. So. I was happy to join the, you know, the uh, the judges team for, uh, at the beginning, and I'm still here doing my part. Oh, well, you very much appreciated, and yes, absolutely, tick, correct answer. You were here with us in 2012 when we first started, so thank you for being with us on the journey. And and why do you do it personally? What do you get out of it? 
Well, I think that uh, uh, it's a mix of things. I mean, uh, on one hand, you have uh, uh, the opportunity to uh, see things differently. I mean, uh, there are these uh, scorecards and uh, things like that. So I, I know many of these startups already. And uh, I love the idea of, you know, getting the technical, Razor perspective on uh, you know on the scorecards and how they are organized and everything, so that uh, it's an analytical method somehow that uh, that I like now. Uh, in the past was was also an opportunity to uh, um, I mean to to compare differently from what I did. I, now now at Gigam we have our radars, our uh, our mechanisms to you know to build this. Uh, um, scorecards for for our clients but uh, you know uh, you always have to get multiple perspectives to to have a you know a full picture so the, the fact that uh, i'm just a small gear in a huge mechanism now but uh, the idea of you know uh, sharing my opinion and uh, and you know contribute to this thing i, I think it's uh, uh, i mean it, it brings me a lot of value and uh, and I can see how others, you know, evaluate uh, uh, companies, uh, vendors in this case. Uh, and I, I think it's it's probably the most interesting part. Brilliant. Well, we're very delighted that you continue to, to think that. <laughs> um, are there any insights that you'd like to share about the current state and the future for particularly the storage and the cloud categories where you're probably most most active? Well, I, I think, uh, as we said, w there is this huge transition uh, and uh, from you know on-premises and uh, to the cloud, and many organizations uh, accelerated this transition because the pandemic last year, and they wanted to have a, you know more flexibility, agility, and you know consume resources and pay for them when they need that. So, in general. Data storage is following this trend. I mean, even the most traditional vendors are looking at, you know, solutions that uh, can somehow uh, ease this transition. And, uh, and of course, you know, data management, as I said, is, uh, is another big part of it because uh, you have to, to keep control of the data, even if it, it is dispersed in multiple clouds now. So you, you want a single domain view of everything, even if you know uh, you are using uh, on-premises and cloud resources, multiple cloud resources. So this is becoming more of a trend, more of a, in general, more of a discussion that I have uh, usually with my clients. Hmm. Okay, and what do you particularly look for? Because obviously we're, we're gearing up at the moment for our 10th edition. So we've been doing this for 10 years now. What are you going to be looking for? What's going to attract your attention this year when you, you go through the entries? Well, it really depends because uh, as, as you know, you know, when we talk about storage, we talk about uh, a lot of different things. So uh, everything is changing and even the, um, the categorization of storage is changing. So in the past, 10 years ago, when 
when you know the, the appraiser started, we we had you know the and uh, a sort of convention of prime talking about primary and secondary storage and most of it was about you know the access protocol or the type of system now it's more about primary and secondary data so it doesn't really depend on the type of system where you store data but how this system fits uh, in you know in, in your needs so that the idea of primary and secondary data is the focus and how vendors are uh, working for you know uh, to build the, the products and uh, and, uh, and and uh, functionalities necessary to to make uh, you know to deal with primary data. So, an example: I published a report about object storage this year, and some people were surprised that we had two different categories. I mean traditional enterprise storage, object storage, and fast object storage. And many people asking me why fast object storage. But because, you know, now object storage is not seen as an archival platform, but it's a backend for Kubernetes application, for AI, for uh, big data, for a huge number of applications that are much more interactive than in the past. But they want, you know, the S3 API, they want to, a few things that are coming from this. And this is not archival, secondary, or tertiary storage. This is primary storage for this application for this client. So this is why we, we made the distinction and it worked very well. I mean, uh, a lot of our clients really appreciated the, the fact that we were talking about, you know, object storage in these terms. So this is why everything is changing. I mean, uh, uh, as I said, it's not primary storage, it's primary data that is the most important thing. Okay, well, we'll be looking forward to seeing a few of those types of startups join us this year. Um, what would you say, I mean, to take a look a little bit wider at the industry, I mean, we have our male and female categories uh, for trailblazers, and I know that you, you tend to look at those as well um, in the past to see who's, you know, shining out as an individual uh, and one of our one of our criteria for that obviously we're not looking at the technical capabilities of the people we don't need to know how type that how quickly they can type or how quickly they can you know run a, a marathon um but we are looking at the kind of leaders that they are and the kind of um culture that they're creating and the kind of you know innovation that they're nurturing within their organizations and one of the aspects is diversity uh, and this isn't something that you and I have spoken about particularly much in the past, but I'm very curious as somebody, you know, who's had a long and distinguished career in technology, what do you think will make a difference in that realm at the moment? I don't think there's too many people that doubt that having diversity in any organisation. Yeah, so the, the problem of diversity is very, I mean, uh, is huge. I mean, if I look at, most of the startups, uh, the people that I meet every day, uh, we don't have diversity in IT. I mean, uh, um, they are, um, I don't meet very often with uh, women and uh, in executive position. And this is, a, I think, a, it's a shame. I don't know why. I mean, I'm not in a position to, to say why this is happening, but actually, uh, you know, there are no women coders. There are no 
not enough at least. And uh, I think it's changing a little bit. I mean, uh, uh, we, we there is no longer the stereotype, you know, girls play with dolls and uh, and and boys play with uh, I don't know guns or whatever when they are uh, uh, kids. And uh, and I think I, I I think this is changing, but. It, it is taking like forever, and so the, the, even if the there is a movement to uh, to help more um, female coders to come out or things like that, I, I think in general we we are you know there are a lot of missing opportunities here, and uh, I would like to see more women uh, usually you know in the executive position because I think a balanced uh, board is beneficial for for the company i mean different point of views different uh and i'm talking about women but actually uh people of color are, are not as common as uh, uh as they could be but but again i'm not uh in the position to you know to say more i mean it's uh it's something that i would love to see but uh how to change this? Maybe I'm not the right person to, you know, to, to find a solution or to comment on this. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But I'm sure there are there is something that you will have an opinion on. And as part of our 10 year celebration, we're putting together some thoughts and, and would love yours on what do you think the next 10 years will hold in enterprise technology? You know, either generally or specifically for you. Yeah, so 10 years is very long time to do any sort of prediction. I uh, I mean, we can talk about everything. We are thinking about sending uh, uh, rockets to, to the moon and Mars in, you know, in five years, four years from now. So, I mean, what we will be able to do in 10 years is, is too much. I mean, we, we can talk about, general trend I mean, in the next couple of years we will have uh, you know cheap shortages and uh, things like that that will probably hamper a little bit uh, uh you know some industries but actually maybe maybe this will also uh create the, the opportunity to develop new you know new technologies something different and uh, more optimization to, to take advantage of uh, different technologies to, to build stuff. And, uh, and at the same time, you know, if I stay with my feet on the ground, I can see that, you know, the, uh, all the data center is changing, uh, not, not only, I mean, on-premises IT, which is, which is different and will be different in years, but uh, I'm not sure that in 10 years from now we won't have and you know on-premises IT, but it will be different from from what we have today. I mean, everybody is working on new consumption model, so where you don't really own your uh, your on-premises uh, infrastructure, but you you know you use these cloud-like models to purchase and consume it. So we will see more uh, a sort of uh, on-premises cloud. Uh, which is not really a private cloud. I mean, uh, <laughs> and things like that. So, but but um, but as it happened, 
multiple times in the past. So the, the cloud is still very young and we'll have more and more uh, abstraction layers on top of it. So to simplify data movement, to, you know, everything will be easier than today. There are a lot of things that we are, you know, we are experiencing right now. I mean, we are at the beginning of a new journey on uh, about, you know, again, data management and how to reuse data, how to take advantage of, you know, uh, IoT in a, uh, in a very different way. So we will have uh, autonomous cars and things like that, creating uh, huge amounts of data and things like that. So the, we are at the beginning of a new era. Data is everything. Is the, like you... Uh, like we said many times, the, uh, that is the new oil. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can do anything with the oil if it's not refined, if it's not uh, working properly. So that, that's, that's the thing. I mean, um, it's all about data is how we are able to refine it. And yes, I mean, a quantum computing will become a thing. Probably, and many other things. So we will have uh, faster computers. It's not an odd prediction. <laughs> Way faster than today. Think about, you know, 10 years ago, we had these uh, memory sticks that were small and um, unreliable and everything. Now, the same memory sticks is, you know, 10 times, 20 times, probably even bigger. And uh, they, they are, you know, resilient and they are encrypted. They, you know, it's, the industry is going very quickly year after year. So it will be cool. I mean. Yeah. And, well, we're looking forward to that. We'll see how we get on in the next 10 years with uh, judging some of those exciting startups. And, you know, obviously this has been a great year of change. and. You know, progress in technology marches on, and you've obviously just referred to that. Um, what do you think, tech startups? What's going to happen with them? What are they going to look like? What are the people going to look like who who run them, who create them? How, how do you see that potentially shaping up in the next? Technology? So I think I think that uh, the pandemic changed a little bit uh, um, how you know where startups. Uh, uh, are located. I mean, uh, uh, like uh, for everything else, we uh, we we are seeing you now a more distributed uh, world, distributed organizations, and things like that. So, and uh, uh, I mean, in the last ten years, twenty years, um, maybe more, we, we always had the Silicon Valley as the center of the world, at least for my. Uh, for my job, and now uh, you know, with the, with this idea of dispersion of working from home or finding different locations, and uh, so the, the the knowledge is more spread than ever. So, and you know, yes, probably Silicon Valley will remain attractive, but there will be a lot of talents that will work from some, somewhere else meaning that they can, you know, they will be less afraid of starting a startup in another location. So I don't know if this will make things easier or, you know, harder because, you know, the concentration 
also helps you know uh, faster um, evolution i mean there there is more osmosis there is more uh everything and but at the same time you know we learned uh, that we can live with zoom calls or things like that <laughs> i mean i i'm not saying this is positive or negative i'm saying so that there are many more options than in the past so uh i would love to see more startups in europe for example now that uh, or uh, or even you know in the in other countries around the world i mean it could be easier than the past hmm. even hiring thailand's hmm. yeah i think it has it has made a very interesting potential for people where now they really really don't believe they have to be in silicon valley to be successful. Well, it also, also, it's a cost problem. Hmm. I mean, we saw it in the in the last few years. So companies having offices in the Silicon Valley, but actually having uh, R and D, engineering, and you know, developers in other countries because it's too expensive to hire developers in the in the Silicon Valley. So. Hmm. Yeah, and certainly from a balance perspective, you're also going to potentially not have to have people physically there. So you can have the best person for yeah. what you want, regardless of whether they're happy to move to California or New York or to Berlin or wherever that might be. I think it's... Uh, yeah, and also, and also, you know, for uh, for the startup, it, it is easier to hire people, but also you can pay them... Uh, less because they don't have to live uh, in a place where you know uh, it's quite impossible to find uh, uh, you know an house for a decent uh, price and so that, that's that's probably will change you know the way uh, th- these companies think about hiring people and where and how so Definitely. it would be nice to see what happens yeah and those sort of buzzes around some of these sort of what we'll call hipster side of things, because obviously that was a bit more the consumer tech side of thing. Enterprise tech, you'd obviously want people who want to have careers. They want to bring up families. They want their children to go to good schools. They want to have a good quality of life. And that isn't for everybody in certain pockets. Mm-hmm. So it means yeah. that people can stay uh, working for the types of companies that they will enjoy working with and have a lot to contribute to without necessarily having to up sticks, move family around, um, not be where they can go kite surfing when they feel like it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think it's going to be an exciting time. And, yeah, I mean, we've got some big plans um, ourselves and it would be lovely to perhaps, you know, we're, we're running out of time a little bit on our call now, but to, to chat with you again about some of the future stuff that we've got planned, uh, including some new categories, which we can hopefully reveal soon, and maybe some other new things. But, you know, we're excited about, you know, our 10th edition. And we're very excited, Enrico, that you'll be joining us again. So, Well, yeah. thank you for having me. I mean, it's, uh, it's my pleasure to be here and uh, help uh, as much as I can. No, that's really appreciated. That's really appreciated. And, and thanks again, Enrico, for joining us for the Judges on Fire podcast stroke videocast 
today. Um, if you'd like to find out more about the Tech Trailblazers, um, please do visit us on um, the website, which is www.techtrailblazers.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Tech Trailblaze. So no R, no S. And also you can find us on LinkedIn. Thank you very much for joining us today. Bye-bye now. Ciao.